I'm going to invite you, if you can, join me in the Word of God, book of Exodus chapter 21. Amen. Today we are concluding our series, Tough Love. Someone say, Tough Love. Mm, say it again. Say, Tough Love. Last few weeks, been looking at different aspects of love, God's love. And today I want to share a word that the Holy Ghost has laid on my heart to conclude this message. Very important, very powerful message that's just been uh, just bubbling, I guess, in my heart these last few days. And so Exodus chapter 21, verse 5, this picks up in the middle of a, a chapter or passage which is describing servitude and Jewish slaves and I want you to notice what it says here these are uh, the instructions of God or otherwise known as the law of Moses concerning these slaves it says but if the slave plainly says I love my master I love my wife and I love my children I will not go out free then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. And his master shall bore in his ear or bore his ear through with an awl, W-A-L, an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. Someone say amen. This verse here before you're seated, this verse graphically portrays how ancient Israelite masters would drive an awl. Uh, and if you don't know what an awl is, an awl uh, looks like this. Look, look at here what I'm holding in my hand. This, this is an, an awl. Now, look, these come in all different sizes. This is the one that I could get on Amazon, okay? So <laughs> this is an awl. I didn't have one. I had to get one. So I can show you what this is, okay? And they would drive this into the ear of a slave that had chosen to stay working and serving for his master, not out of obligation, but out of love. They would take one of these to their ears, and it sounds kind of painful, and it is. But today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a little wordplay on this all, and I want to preach this afternoon, it's all or nothing. Someone say all or nothing. Amen. You may be seated in God's presence. There seems to be a major disconnect in the modern mind about what true love is and how we ought to navigate our relationships. The Bible says that God is love. Amen. That God is love. But his version of love looks very different from the world's version, which is generally emotional love. Many relationships suffer from a one-dimensional view of love that prioritizes personal feelings over a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, which we've heard about in this series. The world's love is driven by feelings or emotions because, in, in general terms, it centers on self. And things, you'll notice, will shift rather abruptly when self stops getting what it wants. So even when people say, I love you, often what they really mean is, I feel you. And once they stop feeling you or feeling a certain way about you, then they stop wanting 
you. And something similar happens. This phenomenon occurs also in a spiritual sense. You see, many Christians fall in and out of love with God. They stop wanting because they stop feeling. And their relationship with God is more emotional. And so they, they go through, or their relationship with him goes through this roller coaster ride of highs and lows. Now, we all go through highs and lows in life, but that ought not to change the way that we uh, come to know God's love. His love ought to be something that is consistent in our lives. Someone say amen. So here is the truth about love. Love is a choice. Not just a feeling. Love is a decision. Love is a commitment. Not just an emotion. It is like I've come to preach today all or nothing. Love is a conscious uh, conviction decision that we make. It is a choice of our hearts. Choosing to love. Choosing to love is at the very heart of our text today, and I want to dive into it because it is uh, replete with spiritual insights and typology for what the relationship with God should look like. So bear with me just for a few moments as I lay briefly this foundation. I want you to see this relationship between the master and his slave. Now that term slave is going to be very important as we work through this message. And you'll see how there are, there are other terms we can use to describe uh, our relationship with God. But this is the one that primarily we see, especially in the New Testament. The Old Testament, however, law provided or it permitted Israelites to keep fellow Jews as slaves for only six years. And then on the seventh year, they were to be set free unless they chose to stay and serve out of love and not out of obligation. Now, unlike slavery in the colonial area that uh, we have heard about and we know uh, is true in Western society, Mosaic law protected slaves from abuse and uh, humiliation. Instead, they enjoyed uh, a certain type of community within their master's house. They often lived uh, as uh, members of his family, and they got to enjoy uh, the peace, uh, the protection, and the provision of their master's house. Uh, so part of the problem that we have to overcome or the hurdle in our minds today is let's not think that the term slavery or this concept of slavery is like that that we have uh, we read about in American history or the slave trade and the abuse and the oppression put upon people to uh, work in uh, forced labor. That That's not the idea. We are looking at a different uh, version of slavery in a different time period in a different culture where slaves that worked uh, for their masters were often treated very kindly and protected and they got to enjoy all of the, the many benefits just like a family member would. And over that six-year period, while the slave worked for the master, this love, this bond would begin to form between master and slave. And, and, and like I said, they would sit at the same table with their family. They got to enjoy uh, all of the, the love and the privileges of being a part of the master's house. They were not a pet. They were not a, they didn't, you know, uh, were sleeping somewhere uh, under uh, or in a rock somewhere. They, they were in the same house as their master and so they very much felt like they were a part of 
family. There was a deep bond, a connection uh, that existed between master and slave. And this, this practice of, of voluntary slavery is, is, is very, I think, crucial to the, the mind of the Christian in the way that we view our relationship with God. This practice of slavery, I believe, illustrates probably in the truest sense what this, what it truly means to, to love and belong to Jesus. I think there are many metaphors that we can use to describe this relationship with God. He's our friend that sticks closer than a brother. Uh, or the father-son is also a, a fitting metaphor. But today's metaphor, you'd be surprised how prevalent it is in our New Testament teaching about our relationship with God. And I believe rightly so. This might be the most crucial concept or revelation that we need in our lives when it comes to serving God and loving Him with all of our hearts, with all of our souls and our strength. So today, I want you to uh, have an open mind to consider what this term might mean to you. And I want us to look at a few spiritual pictures that we see between the master and his slave. And what this says to us about our relationship with God. The first is this, is that we are saved by grace. Some would say, praise the Lord today. We are saved by, how many of you know that we are saved by grace? Come on, one of you give God a hand praise today. If you know that you're saved by grace. Amen. Now the Jews were not enslaved because they were captured or auctioned off to the highest bidder. One of the things we got to get out of our, our minds or reprogram our thinking about the Jewish slaves in this time period, in this setting, is that they were not kidnapped, uh, rounded up, and then sold on a slave market. These were people who found themselves in dire straits. They became slaves often because of unpaid debt, uh, transgressions, uh, crimes, wrongdoings, or simply uh, poverty. And therefore, they were rendered hopeless and helpless. These are people who had reached the end of the line. These are people who had nowhere else to go. These are people whom life or their decisions had finally caught up to them. These were people who were not just, uh, you know, captured and, and bound hand and foot and forced into it. Uh, these were people who, because of the choices or the lifestyle that they lived, uh, whether it was uh, due to their own, uh, decisions or just, uh, 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 just unfortunate circumstances, uh, they were rendered hopeless and helpless. And oftentimes this would be their only recourse. This would be their only way to uh, get out of the situations that they were in. And it was not uh, the duty of the, the master did not have to receive them into their home. Just because a, a person found themselves in this place uh, didn't mean that the master was obligated to bring them in because the master understood that if I take on this slave into my house, then he's got access to all of my good things. He, he now becomes a member of my household. There is a great responsibility if I take in this slave because there are so many rules in place. I can't just treat him like a dog. i got to treat him like a son or a daughter. And so they become a part of my family. There's a responsibility. I've got to feed them. I've got to clothe them. I've got to put 
put a roof over their head. And so there is this uh, accountability, this great uh, responsibility that the, the, the master has to take in this slave. And so when the slave is in this position, the master very much has to take all of that into account before he brings him in. But if he chooses to bring in this slave into his household and to settle the record for him in his life, then he is the one. He is the one that is assuming all of the risk and all of the financial liability. He is putting himself at risk. He's putting his name on the line by bringing this slave from the outside and to the inside. And when I saw that, what I saw was a picture of the grace of God. Because like that slave, none of us here today had anything to offer him in return for what he has given us. Come on, somebody here today. We, like those slaves, showed up on the doorsteps of Christ. And we, like those slaves, showed up and we were rendered helpless and hopeless. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, extended his hand. And he gets all of the credit and all of the glory for bringing us from the outside into the inside. If you're thankful for that, why don't you clap your hands and say thank you, Jesus. He brought us in, and likewise, contrary to what people think when you're living in sin. You see, this is something that we need to understand is that the slaves, let me back up, the slaves that when they showed up, they, they were already slaves. They didn't just become slaves when they started working for the master. They were already slaves, slaves to their circumstances, slaves to uh, their, their problems, slaves to the lives that they were living. So in other words, they were already bound. They were already serving a master. They were already enslaved to their condition and enslaved to their problem and likewise contrary to what people think when you're living in sin and you're not living in the grace of God and you're not living in the love of God contrary to what people think you are not free to simply do whatever you want you are not free to simply go about and live we we may think that someone who is living in sin or living in the world is free they're running wild and free to do whatever they please and they don't have rules on them and they don't have have a, a religion or they don't have, a, you know, a, a standards and they don't have this. Uh, they're free to, oh, and this is what the devil uses uh, to, to, to lie to people in order to make sin and the world look more attractive. He says, look, uh, you can come over here and do whatever you want. You can just, uh, you, you can just live life on your terms. But what he doesn't tell you is that if you do that, uh, you are still enslaved. You are enslaved to sin. The truth is, my friend, is that sin is a slave master. I want you to understand that those that are living in sin are not free to do whatever they want. They've got a master that they have got to report to and that master is sin. That master is the enemy. That master is the world. So we need to remove this idea from our minds that to, to, that to live in sin or to live in the world is true freedom. No, you've just got another master that you're living for. You've just got another, hallelujah, taskmaster that you're serving but when you are brought in oh hallelujah everything begins to change oh hallelujah Jesus said in John 8 34 most assuredly I say to you whoever commits sin is a slave of sin 
is a slave of sin. And, and, and I just rejoiced in my spirit a few moments ago uh, when Brother Moses was up here ministering. And he, he, he mentioned something about this. Amen. He, he quoted a verse in Romans. And it just was confirmation, hallelujah, that I was in the right lane today. Because uh, I want you to understand that whoever commits sin, whoever lives in sin is a slave to sin. You see, slaves have no will of their own. They have to do whatever their master tells them. And when sin is your master, you cannot resist it. When sin is your master, you are unable to resist it. You don't have the ability to tell. You may think you're in control, but you're not the one in control. Sin is in control. You do not have the power to overcome it on your own. You do not have the power to pay that debt. You do not have the power to climb out of that situation on your own. And this is uh, when a Jewish slave found himself in a dilemma like that, where they could not get out of their situation, a fellow Jew could come and could bring them into his house. And what that fellow Jew would do is that through this relationship, he would cancel the record against him. He would cancel the debt against him, and he would love him like a member of his own family. He said, I know you don't have enough money to pay me. I know you don't have enough resources to do this on your own. I know that you don't have what it takes. I know that you're, you're hopeless. I know that there's nothing that you can do for me, but I'm going to bring you into my family. And if you will just love me and receive the gift that I give to you, I will cancel your debt against you. I will clear your record and this is exactly a picture of the redemption of Christ in our life and our souls hallelujah somebody God's saving grace that found us when we were hopeless and indebted into sin this is the condition that we were in but God loved us so much that he became sin that he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Somebody say amen. In the words of Paul, and you who were dead in your trespasses and in the circumcis uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made a lie together with him, having forgiven us our trespasses uh, by canceling the record of debt uh, that stood against us with his legal demands. He has set aside, nailing it to the cross. We see in Colossians 2 and 13, God has done this for us. He took the record that was held against us. Oh, my God. He took the record that stood against us. He took all that could have condemned us and could have caused us to be damned forever. And he took that and he nailed it to the cross. Oh, I've got to give God praise today. Somebody say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for taking it to the cross for us. You see, unlike the ancient custom where only the slave would be pierced with an awe. Jesus himself, the master, took the pain of a slave when they pierced his side and they nailed him to the cross. You see, today, for Christ, it was all or nothing. 
it was all or nothing. He didn't just say, I love you, but he demonstrated his love to us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he took the all against his own life. And he says, I love you. It should be you receiving this. You and I should have been the ones that have died on the cross. But Jesus took our place. And he said, give me the nails. Give me the all. And I'll take it for them. Somebody ought to give God some praise today. I know we get excited about, see some of you are struggling today because you get excited only about blessings and miracles. But I get excited about the all that Jesus took for me. Is there somebody today that knows that if Jesus didn't take the all for you, you wouldn't be there where you are today. We wouldn't be able to lift up our hands. We wouldn't be able to praise it. So I'm going to ask you one more time for about 30 seconds. Can you give God some praise that he went to the cross and he took a nail for you? Come on, I think we can do better than that. I think, church, we can give God a better praise than that. Ah, I think some of us need to remember where he brought us from. I think we, we need to remember where we were when God found us. Got to remember how he found us. Got to remember that it wasn't us and our good deeds that brought us here. It was purely the grace of God that brought us from the outside to the inside. And he said, instead of you, why don't you give me that all? Why don't you give me that scar? Why don't I take it for you? Hallelujah. And for that, we ought to be grateful. But you see, most, most times when we read New Testament verses regarding this language, things get lost in translation. Most New Testament references to servant are actually mistranslations of the Greek word doulos, which means slave. I can't exactly tell you why this is so. Perhaps over time, Bible translators were afraid to use that term slave because of the stigmas attached to it. Maybe, that, maybe that's the case, but it almost seems like there's a conspiracy to cover up this word. Because most times, instead of reading the word slave, you'll read the word servant. And I can tell you that there are many other words in the Greek that describe what a servant is. But 90% of the time, the actual word instead of servant is slave. So every time you read that verse where it says servant, why don't you dig up the Greek and understand that it's not actually saying just a servant like a waiter at a table or somebody who's helping you, but an actual slave to a master. You see, it gets lost in translations, and that's why many Christians struggle with this concept of being a slave of God. But the Bible says that Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a doulos. He took on the form of a Now, a bond servant sounds nice and cute. A servant sounds wonderful. He didn't just come in the form of a servant. He came to be a slave, coming in the likeness of men. As such, Jesus was sold like a slave in Bible times. A slave. If a slave died on your property, you had to pay his master 30 pieces of silver in order to recompense that. If a slave died in your home or on your property you had to pay 30 pieces of silver for his life and 30 pieces or 30 shekels of silver was the same amount that Jesus was sold for by Judas you see he came to be that bond
one slave. He came and died a criminal's death. He was innocent. Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in him. He's an innocent man, but he died a criminal's death. He died like a slave. He died like a slave. He came like a slave. Jesus was not a sinner, but he became sin to deliver us from the slavery of sin. Paul writes these words in Ephesians 2 in verse 7 or verse 4. He writes, because of his great love for which he loved us uh, even when we were dead hopeless in our trespasses he made us alive together with Christ uh, by grace somebody say by grace uh, come on louder by grace uh, by grace you have been saved uh, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ uh, grace said I see you as a slave but I love you like a son Grace said, I see you in your problem. I see you in the depravity of your sickness and soul. I see you in your situation. I see you in your sin. And instead, I will take the nail for you. Why don't you come into my house and receive my free gift of salvation? And I will save you by my grace and by my grace alone. He saw us like that, and it's by the grace of God. It's by the richness and the aboundingness of his grace that we find ourselves here today where sin did abound. Paul says in Romans 7, grace did much more abound. Come on and clap your hands and give God some praise today. We are not just saved by grace. Yes, grace has done this. And like Paul said in Romans 7, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. But read the next chapter. He said, but shall we continue in sin that grace, that God's grace can continue? Shall we continue in sin? He said, God forbid. God forbid. Because we are not just saved by grace, church and friend. We are also slaved by love. In fact, I almost called this message slaved by grace. But we are slaved by love. In the seventh year, slaves were allowed to stay or leave. Think of this. They, they, they probably counted down these days. It's almost the, it's the sixth year. Next year's the year that I get, to, I get to decide. Next year's the year. They probably counted down the days, maybe even the hours. It, 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 they knew that in the seventh year, they were given this great choice, this option and they were given this, this, this opportunity that if they wanted to, they could simply walk away. Think about that. You're now, you, you've been a slave. You've been serving for six years. And now on the seventh year, they say, okay, you're free to go. Hmm. You're free to go. And, and, and your, record, your record has been wiped away clean. You, you, you got a clean slate. Huh. A fresh start. Your record has been clean. You're a new man, you're a new woman, and, and think about how attractive this offer must have been for anybody. And it sounds like a golden ticket to happiness, huh? I finally get to get out. <laughs> I finally get to leave, and, and that's what it would seem like. That's, what, that's how I would perceive it just in my natural mind. Like, hey, I've been, I've been here, uh, you know, in this house for six years serving, and, and now I've got the option. But if a slave... Because of love that he has received from his master. If a slave out of his own volition decided this is where I want to be. All he had to do 
when he stood before his master is make a declaration and say, I love my master. I love my wife and I love my children and I'm not going anywhere. Oh, my God. He could say, this is where, can I tell you here today, I am not here because I have to be. I'm here because I want to be. Oh, my Lord. Is anybody else with in agreement with me here today? Did anybody hold a gun to your head and say, well, maybe somebody did. I don't know. <laughs> but anybody say, you have to come. I'm here because I could be anywhere else I want to be today. But I chose to come to the house of the Lord. Why? Because this is where I want to be. When you're young, maybe you don't have a choice. Your parents say, get in the car. We're going to church. I don't feel, there's no negotiation, right? Get in the car. We're going to church. You can, you know, try to put cough. No, 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 you're going to church. You don't get a choice. You're going, right? But then you get to that point. You get to that age in your life. And maybe some of you young people, you understand what I'm saying here. You get to that age where, where, where now you get to decide. It's your choice. It's your choice. And that's very liberating. You say, wow, I can, I can do what I want. I can go. I don't have to go. I can. But there is something about when you have experienced the love of God. And this is why we need our young people, our children to experience the love of God. So when they come of age and they get to make that decision for themselves, they say, you know what? I see what the world is offering me about out there. But there is so much in here that I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh, my God. I wouldn't give this up for anything. I choose to be here. This is where I want to be. you got to own your faith. Someone say, own it got to own it. The same thing happens spiritually when you choose to love Master Jesus with all your heart, soul, and strength. You become slaved to love. Paul writes these words. Uh, and, and as we go through this, I understand. I've got a few more moments here. But this is, this this is going to get harder and harder to hear because these messages like this are not always, they're not easy to preach sometimes because what I am basically telling you is that it's, 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 it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. You say, well, Jesus paid the price, so I don't got to pay anything. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. Salvation is God's gift to you. Sanctification is your gift to God. My God. Salvation didn't cost you anything. It was free. But to serve the Lord, it's, 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 I'm going to help me say it. Paul writes these words, but having been, in, in Romans 6, 22, but having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God. You have your fruit to holiness and in the end, everlasting life. Christians, again, I keep repeating this, but it has to be, we, we, we struggle with this concept. We struggle with this concept because uh, so many times we read the word and we're reading servant when we ought to be actually reading the word Dulos. I am not just a servant of God. I'm a slave of God. Can I tell you something right now? Can I tell you? Someone say, go ahead. There's a big difference between a servant and a slave. I think we have too many servants and not enough slaves. Let me give you an example. A servant is hired. A slave is owned. I'm going to give you another one. Someone say, go ahead. <laughs> a servant is rented out, but a slave is owned, is purchased. A servant can come and go. 
but a slave is property. And when you receive the all, you are being branded by your master to say your life is no longer your own. Hmm, going to get quiet right now. Hey, man, that's all right. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 6.20. For you were bought with a price. Who? What price? The blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God. In your body and in your spirit, which, who are they? This body doesn't belong to me. This life is no longer mine to just say what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, and how I'm going to live. Now, when I come under the rule and reign of Christ as Lord and Savior, hallelujah, he becomes my master, and I become his property, and now my life is no longer mine. I've been bought with a price, and so know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are now the place and the property of God, and so everything that we have and everything that we are belongs to him. Amen. You can clap on that. That's all right. I give you permission. And you're like, oh. You don't got to give me that little opera cap, clap. You know, we can do like a Holy Ghost clap. All right. I know you're saying, ooh, ouch. Ooh, oh, man, this is it. Everything, this is hard. Yes, it is. And that's why at the very end of the cross, there was only one disciple left. As long as we're handing out miracles, we can draw a crowd. But when we start talking about picking up your cross and denying yourself. But do you know, that's real Christianity. And if we don't preach real Christianity, we have done everyone a disservice. This is authentic Christianity. But what a strange practice. Give me a few more moments because I want to show you this real quick. What a strange practice that they would just, you know, at the end of that, I'm, if I was that slave, I'd like, all right, this is my seventh year. I really like it here. I like where I'm living. Hey, hey, I got a wife now. I've got children. This is seventh year. I want to stay. And, and now the master's, all right, you want to stay? Yeah, let's stay. I'm thinking, you know, let's sign a contract. Why couldn't we just shake hands? Why couldn't we just, you know, strike up a deal, send me the offer letter over, I'll accept it, we'll do a little docu-sign, everything will be cute and fine. And that's said, he said, no, you want to be one of mine? Come over here, son. He starts waving the awl in front of him. And he said, oh, boy, I better be really sure this one out because that is not going to feel good. They're not going to put no drugs in me. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to drug me up. There's nothing. It's going to, I'm going to feel the pain of this all going through my ear. But then that person has got to realize that this is worth it all. Because momentary pain and momentary, momentary display, uh, 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 momentary uh, pain and discomfort is worth the life that I'm going to receive. So he pierced his ear. And what can this say about us? Why the piercing? And why? And then they would take him to a door. Oh, man, this, I, I get the shivers just thinking about it. They would take him to a wooden door, and, and they would put the earlobe of the ear. I'm not going to demonstrate it for you. We're not going to have, like, a real demonstration right now. All right, hallelujah. And they would just whammo. Just cram that thing against the earlobe, against the ear, and you could imagine that, you know, just your blood would be squirting, and, and it would be painful. Ah, can you imagine they put a, oh, 
something in his mouth, and he just, it's going to hurt. And they would just tag him right there. And, and, but just as the pain would begin to go away. And I thought, why would they pierce him? Why would they pierce him? You know what that piercing represents? The piercing represents the trials and the tribulations that we go through in this life. Paul said, I bear on my body the scars that show that I belong to Jesus. Every time you go through a trial and a tribulation, every time you are afflicted, every time you are pressed on every side, my God, every time there's a thorn in your flesh, every time you go through a, a, a problem, a dilemma, trials, a tribulations and afflictions, all of this, and, and you do it for the sake of Christ, and you do it for the glory of God, it's just a piercing on your life to say, I belong to Jesus, and I live for him, and I bear the marks of my life, that my life is not my own, I am a slave of God. And they would take him to the door. Ooh, I got to hurry up. They would take him to the door. And then the door, I saw the door and I saw this represents Christ because Jesus said of himself, I am the door. I am the door, and God will take us to the door when we are ready. Some of you right now are standing at the door. The door represents going, crossing over from one place to another. The door represents moving from one season to another. And God has some of you at a door right now. My Lord. Oh, music, come on up and play. God's got somebody at a door right now. And he's saying, if you're willing to take this all, the doors that have been closed for you, I'm about to open up in your life. You See, the problem is we want God to open doors, but we don't want to take the all. Oh, my God. We want God to bless us for free. We want God to just do things in our life without us giving anything in return. God said, uh-uh, it don't work. You got to have some skin in the game. I got to know that you're one of mine. I got to know that when I bless you, you're not going to run off with my blessing. Mm. I got to know that when I touch you, that you've got the branding of my name on your life. I want to know that when I bring you to the door, you're going to step through those and if you take the all of God in your life and you let my Lord you pick up your cross and you begin to follow after him can I just prophesy to somebody today and tell you that there are some doors that have been shut that are about to open in your life and when God opens a door there's no devil in hell that can close it somebody give God some praise here today hallelujah somebody say hallelujah somebody say amen and then they would pierce the ear. They would pierce the ear. Of all the body parts, they could pierce the ear. Man, if I had more time, Lord help me. They chose the ear, and, and the ear represents our capacity to hear. You know, Lord Jesus, this is something that is so important. It symbolizes the ability to hear the voice of God. Jesus said, he who has an ear the reason why some don't have an ear to hear God, you know why? Because their spiritual ears have not been pierced. And God could be saying whatever he needs to say to you and you're not hearing it. Why? Because you refuse to let your spiritual ear be pierced. <laughs> after the piercing, after the piercing, these, these, these slaves would walk around and they, they, had, they had holes in their ears. They, okay, they didn't fill it with jewelry, okay. <laughs> and put a diamond in there or nothing. They walked around and they had holes in their ears. Funny enough, Brother Moses, they had holy ears. And you know what we need? 
for years. Spiritual hearing. We need holy ears that can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit. If you want to hear what the Spirit is saying. You need to get your spiritual ears pierced. I promise, I promise I'm done with this because there's so much. I could have broke this thing up into two, two weeks, but, but hear me. Oh, hallelujah. There's this last part. There's this last part. I promise I'm going to finish with it. There's this last part because you got to see, you got to see the position that the slave was in. There was another reason why the slave would stay. There was another reason why the slave, as he's considering his life, Considering the outcome, the possible outcome of his decision. Hear this, because this is so important. He was considering all the possible outcomes. I bet he thought about everything. Well, if I leave, what can happen? Okay, I'm, you know, I might have to do this. I'm gonna, so he's probably going through all the scenarios, but he said, but if I stay. And one of the things that helped with his decision was the fact that during the six years that he was there as a slave serving his master, his master was blessing his socks off the whole time. He was being good to him. And watch what the, what the law of Moses stipulated to the slave. In verse 3, I didn't read this part in the beginning, but I'm going to read it now. Before our key text, watch what it says. The law of Moses stipulated... To the slave. All right, here we go. Everything is fair. We're going to make it even and fair right here. If he comes in single, he's going to go out single. If he comes in married, well, you were already married when you got here, so you could, you could take your wife with you. You should go out with him. But watch verse 4. Watch verse 4. This is it. Whew. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and the children shall be whose? His master's. And if he goes, he's going alone. Hey, buddy, time out. You ain't going to come in my house, reap all these blessings, get all the things that I have given to you, and just think you're going to walk away and take the thing. If you go, you go alone. Oh, my God. You see, there are many people who think that they can, they say, man, I, I got to, they think that they can duplicate what God has given them here and take it out there. You ain't going to play God like that. You're not going to play with God like that. He said, you can only leave. God's a fair God. Someone say amen. He said, here, I'll be fair with you. You can take everything you came with. I won't even, I won't even fight you on that. But how many of you, how many of you know that we only came with emptiness? How many of you know, we only, when, I don't know about you folks, but when I came, I came spiritually broke. I didn't come. I came, I came with sin. I came with addictions. I came with shame. I came with guilt. And I don't want any of that. So he said, but you can, you can take whatever you came in, you can take with you. when you. But that's all you can take. You can't take your children. You can't take your wife. All of that's got to stay. So I am here to caution somebody. Say, well, if you're on the fence, you're thinking about, well, should I serve the Lord or not? Uh, you know, you got the world calling you over here. And you got God calling you over here. And you've got sin that is, that is attractive over here. And you've got the, the word of God. And, and you're kind of like, well, what do I do and where do I go and, and where, you know, where do I build my future? Can I tell you right now that there is no better place to be than right here, right here in the house of God? Jesus said, my Lord, the master said, my blessings are reserved for those who stay. Oh, my God. 
minister, would you stand with me right now? Oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. He said, my blessings are for those who stay. If you leave, you're going to lose your family. Is it worth it? If you leave, you're going to lose your children. You know who needs to hear me right now? Every man in this house. Every husband, every father. I, you know, as I was reading that, I thought to myself, what would happen if every man in this church would be like the slave and said, I'm not going anywhere. I love my master. How many of you love your master? I love my master. He said, but, but he didn't just say I love my, he said, he said, I love my wife. Oh, my God. He said, I love my children. And sometimes you got to keep serving him not just for your sake. You got to do it for your children. You got to do it for your spouse. You got to do it for your husband and your wife. And say, you know what? God has been too good for me to me. God has been too good to me. I'm not willing to let these things go. I'm not willing to surrender these blessings because God has blessed me too good. And so therefore, I am here to declare, I love my master. I love my wife and I love my children. And for those reasons, I choose to stay. Would you lift your hands in this place? I feel the glory of God. I know I went over time, but, but this was the conclusion of this series, and I needed, to, I needed to preach this message like I did today. I need somebody to know that it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. You say, oh, God, is it going to cost me? Yes, it is. Just like it costs that slave, is it going to hurt? Yes, it will at times. You'll be, Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. You're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. But that's all right because I've already given you. I've already overcome the world. That's all right because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's all right. You're going to go through some things, but I promise to never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, hallelujah. I heard someone once say the only day. Yeah, everyone goes through problems. When you get saved, I'm I'm not telling your problems are going to go away. I'm not telling you that it's going to get easier. No, that's not the case. But you will get through them because you've got the promise of a God who promised to be with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you to the end. And you've got a God, you've got a master that will continue to provide and bless you. So today, oh, I feel to make a call this afternoon. I wonder if there's somebody today that wants to give more to Jesus. I wonder if there's somebody. Somebody, after hearing this message, after hearing this message, you say, you know what? I want to I, I be a slave of God. I want to come under his mastership. Oh, God, I want to give my life to him. Is there somebody in this hour? There's somebody under the sound of my voice to say, you know what? I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. And this is where I want to be. I choose to be here. Love is a choice. I choose this. I choose this. I choose. Is there somebody today that would want to take a step of faith and say, I, I love, make a declaration of love this afternoon and say, I, is there somebody here today right now? I, I'm making a call. I'm making a call to this 
culture. And I want to call two people, two types of people. I want to call somebody that just wants to renew their faith and their devotion to God. And you just want to, mm, my Lord. You, you said, Lord, if you got to pierce my ear, pierce it, Lord. I, I, want to, I want to declare my love to you today, Lord, that I love my master and I love my family. And I'm not willing to let this go. Oh, I need to, I need to rededicate my heart to you, Lord.